Welcome back to the Librarian Linkover podcast. I am your host, Lorraine Kennard. I'm so excited to bring you guests who highlight the wide array of skills that librarians use. My guests are changing the paradigm on how we see librarians and helping us recognize the valuable leadership skills that librarians bring. As I tell people that I am producing and hosting a podcast where I interview librarians who are using their skills and leadership roles, sometimes I receive suggestions for, popular, for possible guests. When I found out that the president of a community college here in the Chicago area is a librarian, I had to reach out and invite her to be a guest. I was so happy when she said yes. My guest today is Dr. Sylvia M. Jenkins. Dr. Jenkins has held a variety of roles in libraries and higher education. She is currently president of Moraine Valley Community College in Palos Hills, Illinois. Dr. Jenkins, welcome to the Librarian Linkover. Thank you. Thank you very much for the invitation. I look forward to our conversation. So excited to talk to you. So my first question, when you went into libraries, did you want to move into a leadership role or did that interest in leadership come from working in libraries? I think the interest came from working in libraries because I'm honest, to be honest with you, and a number of people have asked me this question. This is my ninth year as a college president, but I started um, going in administrative roles quite a few years ago, but it wasn't because I was looking for a presidency. Let's start there. Mm -hmm. So I would say that the experience that I had working in libraries gave me the opportunity and the insight to realize that working with people across the campus gave me an opportunity to learn about everything about the college, which has mm. helped me in so many ways in this position. So I would say the interest came from working in libraries. And you know, if I can just give my two minute commercial Go ahead. For young people who are <laughs> looking for a career path that is both sustainable and uh, valuable, it's librarianship. Yes. Mm -hmm. How do you add value to your role as president because of your library experiences? Well, I, as I said, you know, working in a library, and, and most of the time when I worked in libraries over the last 30 plus years, I've been in public services librarian as a public services librarian, as a reference librarian. That's the title that we use here, public services librarian. And I got to help students from all levels of preparedness. We had students who would walk in who would know exactly what they wanted and what how to ask the question. But then we had many students who would come in and had no clue, or you could tell they were even afraid to ask the mm -hmm. question. Mm -hmm. So I revert back to my own experience as a 17-year-old freshman many, many years ago. And I walk into the library at the university where I was attending school. And unfortunately, the person at the desk wasn't the friendliest person in the world. Mm. And when I attempted to ask what I needed, her, her re response to me wasn't what I expected. So I turned around and left. Mm -hmm. And... If, and, and really didn't want to approach that person or anybody in the library again. But I recall that experience and see students, see myself in those students who walk up to the desk and don't, don't quite know what to ask. And so having that opportunity to work with students from all levels of preparedness and working in a community college, because we're an open door institution, we accept or any student, irregardless of their preparedness, can come to a community college. So therefore, as a result, we get students who come to the library who are not ready always for college level work. 
So I think those experiences have helped me to make decisions in this role, in the role when I was vice president of academic affairs, when I had an opportunity to interview faculty in finalist positions, I was listening for what words they would use as they would describe their ability or opportunity to work with our students. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. when people would talk to me in terms of this is how I was helped or this is how I would want to help any student who came to me. So those words make a difference when you're interviewing people. So, so the experiences I had working at that reference desk have helped me to make decisions in hiring, make, helped me to make decisions in budgeting, helped me to make decisions in even in contract negotiations because you know, it's about what we do for our employees. You want to, you want to be fair to them so that they in turn can help our students. Mm -hmm. So all of those uh, experiences work. But working at that reference desk is the best place anybody in a college can work because that way you get to see the whole spectrum of the people that you help. That's great. Mm -hmm. What traditional, I'm using air quotes, what traditional library skills do you use in your position? Well, I, you know, I, I have referred many people over time, especially those who are working on, on uh, degrees like doctorates or master's degrees. I said, you know, you have a resource right here at the college, your librarians. Mm -hmm. They can help you with your literature review. You know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel here. We have people who are <laughs> experts at this and go, go right to them. So because of my research experience, a lot of times for decisions I have to make, I know how to do the research. You know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story. A lot of times we have to make policy decisions for the board and the first place I have to go is to the Illinois statutes. Well, I know how to read the statutes, <laughs> you know, because how many times have we had to help people who come into our libraries to mm -hmm. look up those statutes? Mm -hmm. so I think about all the reference materials that I have used over my 30 plus years of, of, of professional life and not even my professional life, my personal life. I raised four children. So where do you go to find out, you know, as a mom, <laughs> as a mom you don't know everything, but you know where to go and look for things, answers that you that you need to have. So I've used my research skills in a in a very uh, varied ways, my uh, skills on how to work with people. Okay, so librarians don't do this in a silo. You don't do this job by yourself. You work with the people in the library, but you also work with faculty across the campus. You work with uh, administrators across the campus. So those skills I learned working as a librarian. And you can use those skills irregardless of what position you have on campus. Yeah, that's great. I'm sure you've actually have everyone else up their, up their game in meetings because they know you're prepared when you yeah. come to a meeting. And, they and know they have to be prepared. They have to prepared. And if they're not, the first thing I say to them is, did you check to see what other people are doing. <laughs> That's the first thing I ask when there's ever a problem with anything, I always say, is anyone else having this problem Correct. or is it Correct. just my problem? Correct. 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 <laughs> yes. When you hire people, what do you look for in a candidate? Yeah. And as I mentioned before, I'm looking for people realizing that our purpose and mission at a community college, being an open door institution, realizing that we will have students who come to us who haven't taken math in two or three years. We have students whose reading levels are not at a, a high school or sometimes they're not even at eighth grade level. 
And so I'm looking for people who understand as educators, yes, we have a certain, certain learning outcomes that our students need to be able to master. But at the same time, we will have students who walk in that won't have a clue how to get there. So I'm looking for people who have that compassion, that empathy, that understand that, that our job, because the student is here, irregardless of how the lack of preparedness they may have, they came. So what do we need to do to help them? So I'm looking for people who are willing to go that extra mile to help. Uh, I, you know, sometimes we have people who will write um, their syllabi in such a restrictive way that a student, now I'm gonna use this example. We have many students who take public transportation. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, in the Chicagoland area, there is no thing as an exact on-time bus. <laughs> so, so I wanna say to a faculty member, okay, I know you have some rules that you have to put in place because you don't want students to be abusive. However, think about a student who's on a public transportation on a bus, the bus gets here late, it's a snow day, whatever. Have a little empathy there, have mm-hmm. a little consideration because I can tell you just about everybody I know in my lifetime has had to have somebody to have some empathy or consideration for them. So I'm looking for people who are willing to do that this is not about giving giving out aid. Sometimes people will revert to that saying, or oh, you just want us to get, no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is go the extra mile to help that student when and they show the need for, for help. And I'm very happy to say that the majority of the people that we've hired here at Moraine Valley have that understanding and that empathy because you know we wouldn't be able to be as successful with our students if, if we didn't have that. So that's what I'm looking for. And people who are willing to, to work with each other. You know, this past year that has taught us this is not easy. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in anybody's book because I've looked on how to manage during a <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> Last pandemic was over 100 years ago. And, you know, if they wrote anything at that time, I couldn't find it. So, so anyway, we've had to do this with patience and with grace. And so, you know, I'm looking for people who have those same skills. I always say we need to meet students where they are. Correct. Is Correct. it worth, you know, dropping them down a grade because they, you know, they have transportation issue? It's nothing, it's nothing to do with their actual work. Correct. Nothing. Yes. Right. Yes. What kind of management skills do you rely on on a regular basis? Well, you know, and this sometimes in management books, you don't, you don't read about this skill, but I think just being honest and fair mm-hmm. with people is always the best way to operate. And, and, then, and then you wanna be kind and you also wanna be, um, like I said, be honest, you know, and, and sometimes the news is not good news. Mm-hmm. You know, as, as all of us are experiencing with the drop in enrollment, our revenue has uh, declined. So we have to make some hard decisions, but I'm not gonna make those decisions haphazardly uh, I think you have to make those decisions to make sure at the end of the day, your school is still whole and that you can still offer the, the programs and services our students need. So there are a lot of things that we've done this past year that were that we used to do that were nice to do, but not necessarily needed because mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure we held on to those things that are needed. And um, so I, I, I make those, the management skills I think is the, the Honesty and ethic, being ethical is uh, critical. And then, you, you know, you want to be open and listen to others. 
I have said many times throughout town halls, my experience through the pandemic is not the same experience that somebody else may be having. So in my role, I have an office where I can close the door. So I can feel safe coming in mm -hmm. and operate using this computer screen, close my door, or I can do take this computer screen no matter where I am, traveling wherever I am, and I can do my job. But not everybody has the same opportunity. Many of the offices on our campuses are shared offices. Mm -hmm. So I had to make decisions for the health and safety of everybody. So I couldn't say everybody come back to work because it wasn't a safe thing to do. So we did a lot of remote work this past year, but at the same time, we had to have a presence on campus for our students who were here. We also had business operations that had to be done, that could only be done uh, with hands on in the office. Mm -hmm. So I am very uh, um, grateful for the faculty and staff who have had to continue to come on campus, irregardless of the safety concerns that we may have had. So th those are things that, you know, I just keep having to put in my, my, remember your experience is not always the other person. So I say to supervisors, you know, be considerate of the people who work for you um, or work with you. It, that, you know, they may have some other challenges that we are not aware of because that's not our experience. Mm -hmm. so just keep all of that in mind. So listen to people when they say things to you. Yeah, hear them. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. For librarians who work with budgets, what are some suggestions you can give us on managing budgets? So usually, and I'm sure your institution is not much different from our, ours, where the growth in our budgets each year is very little and operating more in salaries and benefits is typically where the growth is. But in the operating, the day-to-day -day money, amount of money hasn't changed very much over time. So what mm -hmm. I say to people is think about what you're trying to accomplish and what type of revenue do you need to make to accomplish those goals? So if your, if your outcomes are different, if you have different needs, I'm going to use an example, Lorene, that you just mentioned about the fact over the last three years you've been reading your shelves and now you're doing shifting. So in order to make up the difference with the, the uh, print, textbooks that you are or print books that you've used for a number of years. A lot of that now is going to be in electronic databases mm -hmm. or electronic manuscripts. So the budget then should follow what the needs are of your organization. So the same thing that we do in libraries as we make decisions about where we should be spending money. So we shift money from paper magazines to electronic databases. We've shifted money. So the same thing happens on a bigger scale college-wide. So if our need now is more in student support services, wraparound services, mm -hmm. and not as much in the face-to-face -face services, but more uh, remote wraparound services, then that's where we need to put our money. So the money should follow whatever your objectives and goals are. We used to have 600 periodicals and now we have 20. Yes. And it's largely for accreditation purposes. Correct, correct. Everything's and, in you know, the database. Yes. And I was so glad years ago, when accreditation years ago, this is how long I've been in this business, when they used to accredit us based on numbers that you had on the mm -hmm. show. Mm -hmm. And now it's not about the numbers anymore. It's about the outcome. You know, are your students able to 
get the information that they need, irregardless of the format that it's in. So it's not about numbers. So we move from number, from quantitative uh, quality to qualitative quality, I guess you want to say, yes. Well, our numbers, because we've been doing this big weeding project, have dropped significantly, but not really because they never deleted anything. Okay. They would withdraw it and suppress the record. Oh. So it still looked like we had 90,000 books, but yeah. we didn't have all those books. So I deleted all the records of books that were withdrawn. Mm-hmm. So it mm-hmm. looks like we've, we've actually like weeded out, you know, all these books that they've all been gone for years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we have weeded a lot, but most of the numbers that the difference in the numbers is just because of the book was, was, has been long gone. Yeah, correct. And we just and, suppress and, the record. Yeah. And years ago, uh, that was kind of like a, a game, mm-hmm. honestly, uh, because, mm-hmm. because the crediting agencies were looking at, well, how many volumes does your library mm-hmm. have? You mm-hmm. know, so as we've all learned, it's not about how many volumes, because we had volumes that never left the shelf. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody mm-hmm. ever checked them out. So did that mean you had a good library uh, collection? Not necessarily. Yeah. And now there are libraries that aren't getting, that are getting rid of most of their books. Correct. So it doesn't mean they don't have a good library. Correct. Correct. Yeah. It's so interesting, always, isn't it? Yeah. I always said that the library quality comes from the people who are actually offering the service. That's great. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where it comes from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What suggestions can you give librarians who want to move into management or administration roles? Well, you know, um, when I decided to make this move, um, let's see, what year was it? I lose track. <laughs> it was 2000, 2002, maybe. I had been working as a library faculty member for 14 years here at Moraine Valley. And um, a position became available for an assistant dean's position for a newly created Center for Teaching and Learning. The college had received a Title III grant and the administration had gone through a couple of people that were hired to do the job, but neither person worked out uh, to their expectation. Hmm. And so after 14 years, and I had served as public services librarian for the last couple of years, I was even the department chair. And I thought, okay, well, most of our children at that time were either in high school or in college, you know, getting older. Mm-hmm. I thought, maybe I should attempt this. You know, I, I kind of like after so many years of doing the same thing, I want to try something new and different. So I applied for the position and realizing I didn't have the experience to create a center for teaching and learning. <laughs> However, the experience that I had was working at this college and knowing the people and working so closely with the faculty members and knowing and had served on our faculty development committee for a number of years. So knowing the kind of professional development that we could offer our faculty and staff. And I also thought, wouldn't it be great if through the center we could expand professional development, not only to faculty, but to all staff. And so I applied for the position and the college administration, higher administration took a risk and hired me for the position. Now, it was, a, it was a leap of faith because you leave a tenured faculty position to go into a at will more or less mm-hmm. administrative position. But I've always had the um, belief that if I work hard, I could do the job and I would be successful. And, you know, it was hard work, but the, I had good support. Um, the, the college president at the time, Vernon Crawley, was very supportive. The vice president I worked for at the time, Mary Kay Kickles, was very supportive. 
and the dean, the dean that I work for was also a librarian at one point uh, here. Really? Run, yes. And so they were all very supportive to the point that after me doing that job, um, I was encouraged to go back to school, get my doctorate. So I didn't actually finish my doctorate until 2008. I went back to school. Colorado State University was offering a quote distance program mm -hmm. and uh, they they extended it outside of the state of Colorado. So that's how I went back to school. Uh, we were using Blackboard and only had to go on to Fort Collins uh, the Friday before each semester to get our textbooks and uh, meet our faculty members, go through the syllabus. So that's how I finished my doctorate, three years classwork, one year dissertation. And then, uh, but again, I had great support here at the college to be able to do that. And so I would say, if you realize that what you do in the library, your, what you've learned as your experiences are easily transferable to mm -hmm. any administrative or managerial position, easily translated. You just have to want to take the risk of doing it. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and knowing your, your environment and knowing what kind of support that you might have. And then this is a question that, that I would always ask myself as I applied for different positions. If I can help this many people with this position, how many more people can I possibly help having an even larger position? Yes. And I even asked myself that question when the opportunity came to apply for the president's role. Talk about a leap of faith, okay? <laughs> <laughs> because as I say to people, you know, it, most people report to one person. When you're the college president, you report to seven people. We have an elected board of trustees, seven people. And I have learned, like I mentioned before, just do your job every day. Do the best that you can every day. And irregardless of the situation, I think it works out for you. Great. So why did you go to library school? And based on your career so far, does that reasoning still hold? She's oh, laughing. Yeah. It, 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 <laughs> so when I was in college, my major was English education because in undergraduate school, there is no uh, bachelor's, bachelor's degree in library science. So my major was English education and my minor was library science. Hmm. So I took 18 credit hours as a minor because everybody had to have a minor back then in the old days. I guess they still do. <laughs> but, so, but when I was a senior, I had to do student teaching. So I did student teaching and worked in the library to get my, my library internship hours. And I realized at that point that I liked the library side of it more than the student teaching side. Hmm. And maybe it's because I was trying to teach 11th and 12th graders to love Shakespeare and they could <laughs> care less, okay? <laughs> they, could, they could care less about it. And it was kind of frustrating and I was young. Okay, so you think about, I was senior in college, 20 years old, the seniors in high school were probably just about three or four years younger than me. Mm -hmm. And so even my supervising teacher said I couldn't be friends with them because they wouldn't respect <laughs> me. So, okay. So then I decided, then there was an opportunity for me to go to grad school right out of college in library science. Um, so I was able to get a fellowship. I lived in Louisiana and at the time LSU was the only graduate school in Louisiana with the Graduate School of Library Science. And because of the unfortunate attitudes toward integration, mm -hmm. they were limiting the number of African-Americans they would admit each year. 
Oh my so gosh. I did not get admitted to LSU, but at the same time, the good fortune is State University of New York at Albany was looking for more minority students to diversify their library program. And I got a full year fellowship where they paid my tuition, room, board, plus a stipend. Good. So, it, you know, and third day there, Lorraine, I met the man I've been married to now for 47 years. <laughs> <laughs> it all worked out. It all worked out. It all worked out. <laughs> so, you know, it wasn't the, the it, and I, I'm just honest with people, that's the way it was. And, but and my parents were afraid. Sure. I, grew up in a very, I grew up in a very small town in, in Louisiana. And the fact that I had never been on an airplane before, never been any place except my grandmother's house in Mississippi, the fact that they were going to, uh, they had to let me go to Albany. They sure. really couldn't say no. So my mother still reminds me of that till today, <laughs> that your father and I had found a teaching position for you right here in Opelousas, but you said to us, Mama, I want to go. Please let me go. And they did. So I have to remember that now as a parent to when my children said, we want to go. I have to say, okay, okay. <laughs> did your kids go far away for college? Uh, yes, the <clears throat> one went to Virginia. Oh, uh, one went to uh, the second one went to Iowa. The third one stayed here, but now she lives in Louisiana. And the fourth one went to Texas. There so, you go. Yeah. So, but you know, they all came Moraine for their gen eds, and then they transferred out or went on. But and they're doing they're doing fine. Good. So, yeah. But and, you know, I learned my parents had to let me go. I had to let them go to it. And what does Grandma say about the kids going away? Oh, yes. Well, <laughs> now now that I'm a grandmother, I wish they were all here with me. <laughs> yes. That's right. Yes, that's the way it goes, though. That's the way it goes. Then my mother is 96 years old and right now having some health challenges. Oh, no. But she still gives me very good advice. She says every day, do the best job you can do each day. Remember, people will be people and you just uh, be kind. Mm-hmm. That's great advice. Yes. Well, thank you so much for doing this, Dr. Jenkins. I really appreciate your time. Well, I think thank you for asking me. You know, I'm always willing to share. And if there's anybody that I can help, I'm always willing to do that. As librarians do, we help people. That's what we do. We sure do. Yes. Thank you to Dr. Sylvia M. Jenkins for being my guest today in the library and Linkover. Thank you to everyone who has been binging my podcast. I love hearing from listeners who tell me how useful they find the content that my guests and I have been creating. Please keep that feedback coming. Please like and follow the Librarian Linkover on your favorite podcast app, on social media, and visit thelibrarianlinkover.com. Thank you so much for listening. Mm -hmm.